Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast presented by ITL Coaching and Performance. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. On this podcast, we discuss issues of interest to the national, international, and local triathlon communities. Also on this podcast, we normally have some really cool-sounding intro music, but alas, we do not have it this week. We won't have it for the outro either, and that's because my computer crashed this week and I lost the MP3 file. I can assure you that next week, or next time, I should say, we will have some good intro music once again, and it's even going to be a brand new theme song. Can't wait. We have, starting this week, a new bi-weekly format. Uh, There's two reasons for this. Number one, uh, because last week our special guest, my wife Casey Darden, uh, wasn't able to join us and we weren't able to record because we have a whole lot going on, including a couple of twins who are having a hard time going to sleep. Um, If you've heard the stuff about how, like, kids fall asleep and then they sleep through the night and then that's like the end of it it's totally untrue they they fall asleep and they sleep through the night one night and then the next night they don't and then that kind of continues for a long time and so there's even like regressions that take place like we we just had a two-year sleep regression but anyway now we're totally getting off topic um so we decided to have a new bi-weekly format that was one reason that was sort of the practical reason the other reason is because uh, i recently heard an interview in which they were talking to an author and he was talking about how difficult it was to actually write good books um, and and in order to, to really put a whole lot of time and research into writing a good piece of, of writing, a good piece of literature, um, it took time. Um, and that's kind of what I was finding here as well, that I could put out something every single week, but I could put out something of a much higher quality if I uh, went back to every two weeks. And so uh, here with episode 12, we're going to start coming out every two weeks now. And so two weeks from today, we're going to have an episode about uh, groups and the benefits that come from working out and training in groups and what the research says about that. So pretty interesting things um, that, uh, that that are kind of hitting the, the, the literature airwaves about that. But two weeks ago also, uh, two weeks ago from today, uh, my wife and I were in Florida. Um, we put out the podcast with Carrie Smith that weekend, but I put it out, actually published it from Florida. Um, we were down there for a race. We were down there for the inaugural Star Wars Half Marathon and 10K. Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, the dark side. The dark side, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so not to be confused with the light side. Was it a half marathon? It is, in California. In California. So the, in Disneyland, they had the light side, and they really highlighted um, like Chewbacca and, and Han Solo and all that sort of thing. And then this was the dark side. And so with this one, uh, it was a lot of stormtroopers and Kylo Ren and all that sort of thing. So um, uh, the dark side, 10K and, uh, and half marathon. On Friday, I ran the 10K, and on Saturday, it was Saturday? No, you ran, so the boys ran the kids dash on Friday. Right. Uh, you ran the 10K Saturday, and I ran the half marathon on Sunday. Right on, right on. And I actually ended up walking the entire 10K, which gave me a different uh, experience than I was expecting, but I certainly got to suck in much more of the atmosphere, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, it was the third time that we've actually been down there for races, been down to Disney World for races, because it's not too far away from where we are right now. Um the Disney Marathon, we did that in 2009. That was my mm-hmm. wife's first marathon. Um, and then we both did the Disney Half Marathon in 2011, right? Right, with a big group of friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with, 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 with a lot of friends. And we went down there and stayed. We actually got snowed in down there and ended up having to spend the entire week at Disney World. Which it was, was terrible. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no, I was thrilled. <laughs> right, right. I was too, eventually, once I let go. Um, but my, uh, I wanted to... to bring my wife on today to talk a little bit about Run Disney um, and, and about Run Disney events um, because they've become a really 
big force in in events here in the Southeast and and even throughout the United States. Um, Disney World and the Disney Corporation have put a lot of resources and a lot of time into creating a host of races, um, and uh, and almost everybody I know has done uh, at least one Disney race or at least has one on their radar. Um, so my wife is uniquely qualified also to talk about this for two reasons. Number one, because she's a travel agent. Um, she, uh, she, as you know, because she's a sponsor of the show, uh, she's a travel agent who specializes in Disney but also books travel around the United States. Um, and se- and the world. And the world, yes, thank you. Um, and then secondly, um, she's also a very experienced endurance athlete. Um, she's done four Ironmans? Four. Four Ironmans and a double Ironman. Um, and a double Ironman, just as the name suggests, but yet people always ask because they can't really believe it, um, is a triathlon in which you do double the iron distance for all three uh, disciplines. That's it's even hard to add. 4.8 <laughs> miles of swimming, yep. 224 miles on the bike, and then a double marathon, 56.4 miles of running. Uh, I know you don't stop any extra or anything, um, and so you do all the swimming, then all the cycling, all the running. And it took you, what, 28 hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right at 28 hours. So, uh, very good. Uh, so, experienced endurance athlete. She's probably uh, best known in the Atlanta endurance community for uh, being one half of a team, uh, along with Danny Grable, who's starting Epic Five this week, um, uh, to do Race Across America, a two-woman team to do Race Across America and set the course record slash world record for crossing the United States on bikes from Oceanside, California to uh, Annapolis, Maryland, right? Right. Yeah, very good. So, so that was eight days, two hours, and thirty-five minutes. While we're saying times, yes, thank you for that. <laughs> very good. And so that's thirty-one hundred miles in a little bit over eight days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's also a constant race. It's set out race course. It's just like a five k in your neighborhood in the sense that there's a race course and everybody follows it and the clock never stops from the start to the finish. Except that it's much longer than a five k with. <laughs> 11 of your most dedicated friends exactly, following you. Exactly. It's 5,000 K as a matter of fact. Yeah, literally. Um, so, so yeah, uh, experienced endurance athlete and of course a travel agent and a general lover of Disney too. I think it's fair to say. Yep. I yeah. like the mouse. Yeah. So, so recap the weekend for us. Okay. So like George said, we hadn't been down there for racing since 2011. So and it had been a while. And to be honest, things have changed when we went in 2009 and 2011, uh, the races, you kind of signed up like you would most any other race and you'd go down there. Whereas now you really have to have your computer open and ready to register like an Ironman, really, um, the morning that registration opens. Um, so we love Star Wars, both of us, mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. So we like the idea of the combo of Disney World that we all really like, but is nice for the boys. Um, races for us and Star Wars, probably all four of our favorite part of Disney. Now, now we said the boys. It's worth mentioning here because I've talked about them a couple of times, but just to recap for folks that don't know us well, we have twin two-year-old sons. Quentin um, and Candler. Quentin and Candler. And if you've been to the, the Facebook page for the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast, which please do go to that Facebook page. If you've been there, you've seen that the uh, the cover photo on that page is a picture of the two of them. So if you haven't been, check it out because it's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> so we all went. So we, I really like the idea of starting a weekend every year where all four of us race. And maybe we race together when they're older, but I like the idea of a yearly trip 
maybe the same race, maybe different races, but where there's an opportunity for all four of us. And right now that they're small, part of that is that we have to have a race on different days so that George can watch the fellows while I race and I can watch them while he races and then we can cheer for them while they both race. Mm -hmm. And so the Disney race weekends give us the opportunity to do that. Um, So we did our first all together. Um, We went down on Thursday, left super early, uh, went to Epcot, had a good time, had a had a fun dinner, took them to see some princesses they weren't really impressed by. Uh, <laughs> they started asking for stormtroopers because they're our children. Um, and then on Friday, we took them to the kids race. And the kids race is at the ESPN, or not, I'm sorry, the Wide World of Sports, um, which is a real facility as far as athletics go. And when we right. talk about the history of Run Disney, bring that up. But it's it's not really an entertainment area it's truly i mean it's where the braves do their spring training i mean it's a true professional athletic sporting facility while we were down there during the kids race there was actually a couple of people from british olympics so so british olympians training for the rio games this summer and quentin and candler running (laughs) 100 meters on the track exactly who got kicked off who got kicked off the track because we had to do our kids race yeah it's very nice so they they were on a beautiful track i guess is what i was saying um Mm -hmm. and it was it was a great we were impressed i i actually thought this is kind of silly what was i thinking they're only two it's 100 meters what are we doing um and we got out there and it was great and they Quentin did a false start. He took off running with George behind him going, false start. <laughs> they didn't call the two-year-olds back. They let him run. Um, but it was great. They got medals. They really enjoyed their post-race snacks like most beginning athletes. That was probably the highlight. Mm-hmm. Some applesauce in pouches, a cliff bar, a banana. They were they were ready to go. And then we went to the parks in the afternoon. Yeah, oh. The race was actually sponsored by Go-Go Squeeze. Which One of their is the, favorite snacks. Which is the applesauce <laughs> that comes in the squeezable pack. And, and it was a straight-up sponsorship, too. They were passing <laughs> that stuff out. like yeah. And the other thing I didn't mention is it was at the same area as where the expo was. The, the theming where Disney does not play around. You, they say you're at Star Wars weekend. You're walking through the expo and stormtroopers go marching by. I mean, they themed mm. this race from the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, so as we're walking out, there are, you know, clips of battles on giant screens that the boys are watching. George and I are watching too. And <laughs> <laughs> stormtroopers marching by. So even the expo was in theme, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um then we went and enjoyed the parks that afternoon. Um, then George got up and ran the 10K. Walked the 10K. Walked the 10K. He'll be running it soon. Um, <laughs> and then on we went to the parks that afternoon. And then Sunday morning, I got up very early, which we'll talk about as part of a downside of Disney races, and ran the half marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. And then the best parts, not so good parts... I think best parts. I mean, the boys' race was cool. It was oh, fun. the kids' race was great. I yeah. mean, you and you would expect that from Disney. I mean, Disney does children's entertainment better than anybody else, um, and they they showed that off at the kids' race. I mean, it was there were activities in the field for them to play with before they went in. There were plenty of snacks. The music was fun. Uh, it, yeah, every kid was in some kind of Star Wars costume, including ours. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids' race was great. The t-shirts were cool. The t-shirts were cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, really, you couldn't... For $25 a child, I thought I thought we would have been robbed until we got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in which case, it was just as good as a kids' race could get. It was great. Yeah. That was a definite positive. I think the theming throughout, which again is Disney's strength, 
um, in the details. Um, the course that we both ran had characters on it, as usual, as other Disney races we've done. Um, neither of us, even though we say we're going to, can't bring ourselves to wait in a line and take a picture with a character during a race. But I saw lots of characters out there. Um, and they actually were set up to take pictures through the Disney Photo Pass, but also set up with a, a different cast member you could hand your phone to, and they would take the picture for you. Right. So even if you were running alone, um, instead of in a giant pack, you could hand your picture to a, or camera to a cast member, and they'd take a picture with you, which was fun. So, so yeah, just to be clear, so they had characters actually on the course that you could stop in the middle of the race. R2-D2, Chewbacca, right. Darth Vader, Kylo right. Ren, Stormtroopers. Right. Um, lots of characters yeah. and they even they had scenes like movie scenes you could mm -hmm. stop and put yourself in mm -hmm. um, there were giant screens showing battle scenes throughout right. uh, I tend to get chatty into races which is probably why I like ultra endurance races so about after mile 10 when everyone gets real quiet in a half marathon I start thanking the volunteers a whole lot get a little bit giddy and I was coming up one hill it was really a bridge in Florida that is a hill it's coming up a hill and watching the scene from um, the newest Star Wars movie where the lightsaber goes to Rey instead of Kylo Ren. And it went to Rey and I went, yes! <laughs> Everyone around me. I don't know if they were entertained or not, but I was excited. That's probably my favorite well, part from that movie. So there are movie scenes going on. And, and then you take a turn onto a dirt road and they're putting you in. They had that in your race too, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the the scene, so they had a big screen out there right where you made the turn onto the dirt road. And the big screen, the movie scene that they were showing was the scene with the speeders in Return of the Jedi. Right. And then they had speeders you could go sit on right. and take pictures with. And you're in the woods, so it kind of feels like maybe an Ewok will pop out at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, unfortunately. I don't think they can do Ewok characters. Um, but I, I think that their real strength is the theming, that you are entertained and yeah. actually that's different than i'd say the first no very different yeah so the the theming and what, what we're talking about or what, what casey's talking about when she says that is is that and you see this in like disney roller coasters and stuff if you've been to disney world before you don't just ride a roller coaster it's not like oh here's a roller coaster and it has a bunch of loops and it's thrilling right. there's always like a story to it um, you're you're going on an like expedition twilight. to Mount Everest, right. Or something. And like that. And there's a yeti, right. or the you're in the twilight zone, and you're going in this old hotel, and oh no, the elevator breaks down, right, right. And or, it drops you over and over. Or, or you're you're the driver of a limousine trying to get Aerosmith to their concert on right. time, and so you have to go zero to sixty in two seconds and stuff like that. Like everything has a story, and when you're waiting in line, you're reading about the story, and so. It was it was interesting for me to see a race that was themed the same way. Right. Literally immediately prior to the race starting, and of course they had all this entertainment and stuff uh, prior to the race. But immediately prior to the race starting, within two or three minutes from the gun, the the a couple of stormtroopers came out on the stage and then broadcast over the screens for the entire crowd. There's twelve thousand people in that in the ten k, um, and the uh, the stormtroopers say. Uh, we think there's been a lot of rebel incursion on this planet, and uh, you're now going to go through a first order training program, and like all. The, and so this was they, they were basically theming it's like the, the race. Most nerdy fun oh my ever. God, yeah, total nerdy. <laughs> um, and so, so it's the, like Dragon Con at a race, <laughs> right? And and I would say I would you know complete rough unscientific estimate. I would say at least seventy percent of the people were wearing were wearing costumes. Oh yeah. Um, Casey was wearing a costume. Yes, I was. Um, I was BB-8. In right. case you were wondering. And then, and then, um, I would say ninety percent of the people 
Um, so that 70% plus an additional 20%, including me, were wearing something that said Star Wars on it, Mm -hmm. like a t-shirt or something else, or or even the race t-shirt or something. Uh, A very, very small minority of people just showed up in their regular old running clothes. Right, because you can go do a regular old 10K anywhere. Right, right. So, So we mentioned that this race, we actually had to sign up we had to, to go through sort of a different way of getting a number, which we'll talk about in a little while here, um, because it sold out so quickly. Um, but as Casey mentioned a few minutes ago, that isn't the way that's always been. Um, I want to say in 2009, when you decided to run the marathon, it was not a last-minute decision, but it definitely wasn't a year-ahead-of-time decision. No, it was a training cycle. I mean, yeah. it, I did yeah. a full mm-hmm. training cycle and for so, a marathon. So like six months. Yeah, yeah, but not. it certainly wasn't me waiting on the computer a year ahead of time. Right. And it was the sort of thing you could make the decision, we could think about it, and yeah. Right. Yeah, certainly. But that's changed. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about some of the history of Run Disney and stuff like that. The first Disney Marathon was, what, like 1994? I want to say I was in college. Yes. And uh, so the the idea initially, so you had in the 90s, the CEO of Disney was Michael Eisner, and he kind of took a turn with Disney World. He was the one who built the value resorts, which if you stayed on Disney property before at any of the All-Stars or Pop Century. They're gigantic resorts, and they're really not that expensive. Um, I mean, you're talking 100 to $150 a night, but that's vastly different than staying in on in the Polynesian, on the monorail, looking at Magic Kingdom, watching the fireworks. For $500 a night. At a minimum. Right. Um, so these value resorts were built, and the idea was bringing more and more and more people onto Disney property. So taking them off of the hotels right off the interstate near Disney and bringing more people into the bubble. So once you've got this bubble with tens of thousands of beds, you need to fill the beds. Right. And Disney played with lots of different things. They actually hosted their own mini Dragon Con, Comic Con type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a total flop. It didn't work. They didn't own Star Wars at the time. They did it now. Well, they did Star Wars weekends for a while. Um, but they, they tried lots of different things. They brought in the Food and Wine Festival, which is still very popular. Um, and then they decided to start a marathon. And they actually hired the director of the New York City Marathon to come down and advise with them and say, how, how do you do this? You know, we've never run a, had a race before. People are into marathons right now. How do you do a marathon? We think they'll bring lots of people. Um, they actually, because this was when they were building the Wide World of Sports um, facilities, they wanted serious runners. They wanted to be on the stage of the other major marathon. So they had a $135 prize purse. $135,000. Yeah, yeah, sorry. $135,000 prize purse. Which is huge. Right. Yeah. Um, this is 1994. That would be like $250,000 prize purse today, which would be comparable to Boston or New York. Right. And that's who yeah. they wanted to be. They thought that they needed those big runners to bring the masses. Um, and they estimated, I don't have my numbers exactly. They kind of said, oh, well, maybe we can get 10,000 runners. Um, and they filled it up almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And so the next year, they dropped the prize purse and doubled the capacity of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they kind of very quickly found that their draw wasn't necessarily the runner who wanted to run with the most elite runners in the world, but instead the runner who wanted to bring their family on vacation um, and run a race and be entertained and have a good time on their own race. Right. Um, and very quickly grew. And from there... 
then branched off. So now the marathon weekend has a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon, and kids races throughout. Then there's the princess weekend where they have a half marathon. The weekend we did, the Star Wars weekend, the wine and dine weekend in the fall um, that ends in Epcot. And then Disneyland has its own series too, including Tinkerbell, Avengers, and then the Disneyland half marathon. Uh, Disneyland Paris has a half marathon. And then I think they're looking to start one in Hong Kong, if I'm right. Um, Mm. So they went from this one marathon that really exceeded what they realized, what they thought they could do um, to a giant series of races. Um, I just, I think it's interesting that they started out aiming at elite athletes, thinking that would bring the crowds and then realizing that really a marathon's what brings the crowds. Well, and then a marathon that you get to run through Disney world parks. Well, and then interestingly enough, the, that happened to coincide with the second big running boom, if you will. The first one being the 1970s, but the second Which one... Which I'm sure was no mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I wonder if it was a mistake or they just got lucky, you know, but... But one... I th- it might have just been a willingness to try lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but as a lot of people know, Oprah Winfrey ran a marathon, the Marine Corps Marathon, in 1993, 1994, right around there. And a lot of people looked at that and said, well, if Oprah can run one, I can run one too. And mm-hmm. still today, actually... Oprah's time is considered to be a benchmark. Can you run faster than Oprah did? She what did she like, run? She ran like four fifteen or okay. something. No, four, wait, four twenty four. Well maybe. done, Oprah. Yeah, no, she she ran a solid marathon. They put her on the cover of Runner's World magazine and everything. And so, so she is credited um, along with some other you know more foundational, more structural forces with actually launching the second running boom. Um, and I think Disney kind of slotted in right at the right. perfect moment that right. They, right when people are starting to say yeah i want to i want to run a marathon um wait and i can also take my family with me mm-hmm. and and do things with the kids and be and, entertained yeah yeah that it's because that's that's what i mean walt always put on a show that was his thing you, you always entertain and so mm-hmm. races that entertain particularly I mean, we're experienced athletes and we really enjoy them. But when I was looking for my first marathon, the idea of a race that's not dull, that that you could have things to look forward to. You get to run through the Cinderella's castle. Right. And that's that kind of makes you forget that you're running 26 miles, particularly when I was an early runner and 26 miles was the most daunting thing I'd ever imagined. And it's still, at this moment anyway, a pretty daunting mm-hmm. task. Mm-hmm. Um that, that you can have fun during it. I think that's really kind of what they tapped into, that mm-hmm. that others like rock and roll, other marathons try to do too. Right, right. They will not let you bring your selfie stick with you. No. In the race. And they snatch those things up, but they will FYI. put them at the finish line for you in case you bring it, <laughs> because Disney's all about service. Yeah, you know, it was funny. So one thing I actually forgot to mention, too, is that not only did they have all their own characters out there that you could see, but they clearly just put out an open invitation to all the people in the greater Orlando area who were into cosplay, um, and they were just lining the course. Mm-hmm. I probably saw, no joke, 50 Boba Fetts oh, in yeah. that 10K. I but, saw but Count as, Dooku, as I George, saw pilots, as I George saw multiple said to me, Chewbacca's, I you saw knew Darth it wasn't Vader, the, Darth Vader, and Darth Vader. <laughs> he said, you knew it wasn't wasn't the real Boba Fett, because he was a little on the heavy side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would talk to me. Yeah, yeah no, and I, I was yeah. like, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, sure, buddy, whatever. Uh, I'm like, you don't sound like Boba Fett. Um, Nor but, would Disney ever let you see more than one right, Darth Vader right. in the same place, because the idea is that there is one Darth Vader. Right, right. And so, yeah, so that that was kind of an interesting part about it as well. So, so what, I don't know if there was an open invitation. I feel like the nerds uh, yeah. just come. <laughs> <laughs> I like my 
like how you refer to them as nerds and we're, we're the ones running the race. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I think that, that, that I've thought a lot about. So when, when Casey first did the Disney Marathon in 2009, um, my impression of it, I, I, I was a fan, and it was much different for me as a spectator of that race than it was for other races because I couldn't get to her. Right. Um, it was very hard for me to cheer for because she was running into places that were in the parks or behind the parks that were closed to me, and that was very frustrating for me. And then I remember also in 2009, I got this real clear sense that, that people, that you finished the race, and they were just like, all right, get going. Um, and and um, and the races start super early in the morning. They start literally at like 10 of 5, the marathon right. does. Right. Um, and the reason why is because they're trying to get you out of the park so they can still have a full day in the park. And, and that always really bothered me. And, and so. And remember that Disney marathons, though we love them and have fun, really target an early beginner runner mm-hmm. or run walker or walker. Um, and so you've got people who spend a long time finishing these races. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not just accounting for people who are running, but also walking. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. Certainly. In fact, there are famous balloon ladies at the back of the last corral that basically sweep that are the cutoff time. They walk the cutoff time from the back corral, and they always hold balloons. But in the Star Wars races, the balloons were Death Stars. Yeah, they were. Always always with the details. That's right. That's right. <laughs> always with the theme, like we're yes. saying. And so, so the reason why I bring this up... Um, and and I do think, you know, having seen that race in 2009, having run it in 2011, this one felt different to me. This it one really felt, did. It felt nicer, for lack of a better way of saying it. Well, there was it. a ton to do at the finish. Yeah. Instead of being kind of shuttled out. Well, yeah, and, and, it, and it finished. I got to take a picture with BB-8. And... Right, all the important stuff. Yes. Um, but, so the reason why I bring it up is because there's really two big companies um, that both you and I um, and a lot of people we know have have competed with. Um, one of them is Disney because, like I said, mo- most people we know have run one Disney race or have one on the marathon or something like that. Um, and the other one is the World Triathlon Corporation, um, yep. also known as Ironman. Um, Ironman, like Disney, is a multinational corporation. Um, and they have races around the globe of, of all different types. Now, WTC, the World Triathlon Corporation, they're criticized, and I think rightly so, for making their races a little bit too generic. Mm-hmm. Um like all the T-shirts look the same, all the medals look the same. They give the same backpack at every place. Um, even the course has a similar feel. Right. Like it's double always, loops on the run. Right. It's an out and back on the bike. Right. You know, stuff like that. Um, and every now and then you can you can happen upon one like Iron like Man. a three loop in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but every now and then you happen upon one like like even like Wisconsin might be a little bit different. Right. Even that's like a two loop still. But anyway, one way or another. Or an um, interesting one like when I did Utah, but then yeah, that one's gone. Like St. George, exactly. Right. Yeah, and then the, but they decided. Hard, interesting course; those yeah. disappear. Right, and so, so I want to kind of take a moment to think about. Okay, WTC. Like I said, I think that's right. I think they're rightly criticized for that. Yeah, and they, they, but they have a brand, they have a formula that works, and they just follow that formula. Now, side note, they also recognize that Kona is their bread and butter. Oh, and so they make Kona special. It is. They actually change agreed. Kona. Yeah. Now, now. Kona. You get a different backpack. You get a different backpack. You get a, you get a distinctive shirt. You get a medal that's different from all the rest yes, of them. Yes, yeah. as you so, should. Yeah, and so the, the, so they recognize that. So I'll give WTC a lot of credit for that. Um, but what about Disney, though? I mean, do, would you think that, that criticisms of them being a little bit too generic and treating people more like a commodity rather than like, like athletes, do you think that's fair? I, I think that – so if you take T-shirts as the example – 
Um, all of our t-shirts were totally specific to our race. Even mm-hmm. the kids t- run t-shirt has Darth Vader with a lightsaber, which our boys love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that when it comes to merchandising, I would say Disney superior. And I mean, don't get us wrong. We've got a lot of Iron Man Mm-hmm. cups and bags and hats and mm-hmm. shirts we have oh, a lot yeah. of those and we purchased extra ones too mm-hmm. but i think that disney knows i i heard someone talking about run disney and saying that they were able to get the perfect venn diagram between the disney collector people who like to have all things disney and runners desires to finish everything and do check it all off and do all the races. <laughs> and so you've got people who love collecting medals. And so the Disney medals are no joke. I mean, oh, they're yeah. beautiful. Um, and people who really like medals will literally cross the country to do multiple races to get a cross-country race medal, a separate medal if you do the races on both. Yeah, the... The, the, the Kessel Run for yeah, the Star exactly. Wars. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it was called... Yeah. It was when, when Disney had, had... If you did the light side races in California and the dark side races in, in Florida, they gave you a special medal called the Kessel Run medal that had a Millennium Falcon on it. That was cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so even us who throw all of our medals into a shoebox and let our boys try them all on at the same time whenever they feel like it, uh, we like the medals. So I think that that is probably about the same. I mean, it's, it's definitely better. Um, where I think that Disney gets criticized that is probably about the same as Iron Man is uh, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. These races are not cheap. And of course, going to Disney is not cheap. Going into the parks, having dinner with or breakfast with Winnie the Pooh, doing all the things you're going to do once you get there are always going to be uh, an added cost versus, you know, driving down the street and doing a local 10K. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing just a 10K. You're you're it's a show. I mean, from the time you're waiting until the time it's over, it's a show. Um so I think that cost is probably a place they both it's hard to wrap your head around how much you're spending on doing a race right. that's for sure yeah um i mean I, so i i don't remember that the 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 cost for the 10k would have been over a hundred dollars to run a 10k right yeah oh yeah yeah over a hundred dollars to run a 10k right um so which again, is which is why I walked and really sucked at it, you know, spent more time on the course. So. That's right. You're yeah. just trying to really enjoy it all. That's right, right. <laughs> trying to trying to truly get the most of my hundred bucks. Um, but um, but but yeah, I, I think that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and and the fact that they sell out so quickly, it right. easily justifies the cost. Right, right, right. You know, so so it's not as if they're like, oh, well, you know, we're not quite selling enough. So right. I mean, if anything, they could probably double. Remember the price Star Wars? And, they actually opened yeah. up more bibs, yeah. so they they said, oh, we can fit more people, and they basically opened a whole nother corral. Right, right, yeah. Um, I think so too. I mean, the the other thing that I think about too is is when, so when you cross the finish line now. Now you said this, and this is important. I think. That now that they have this gigantic sports venue, Wide World of Sports, and we finish there, they're much more willing to let us kind of hang out. Absolutely. Whereas in 2009, and to a lesser degree in 2011, when we finished at Epcot, we basically finished in a parking lot, and I clearly got the sense that they wanted us to get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Because we need this space to park some people to get into the park. And that really bothered me. Right. Um, right. At the time. And, and I think ending, finishing them at the sports venue, I mean, you know, I don't know if they. I don't I think know if that, they, they were sensitive to that and they changed it on purpose because of criticisms like the ones that I'm leveling right now. No, um, because 
a month before, or two months before in February, the princess race finishes in Epcot. It's basically the Star Wars race backwards. Mm. And a lot of people like that version better because you run through the parks at the end. So the excitement, because, so when you run through Epcot, you run around the World Showcase, which is all the different little countries, pavilions, Mm -hmm. around a giant lake, and it's dark, and and they are pumping. Both your race and my race did that. And they are pumping loud Imperial March through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a, with giant tiki torches, it is a neat feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So ending in that kind of excitement, I could see being better. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas we kind of ended on Osceola Parkway, just... Mm -hmm. On a field, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but they but they just hang out, right? No, right. absolutely. So, so, I th- but I think that yeah. the downside there is we were both in early corrals, which is my major tip. If you want to do a Disney race and you've ever run any race in your entire life, put that time in, mm-hmm. get to the front few corrals. Um, everything I heard from other travel agents I know that did it and following different groups is that people in the middle to the back were very frustrated with the congestion. Mm-hmm. Because we started in the parks and went through Epcot and then through Hollywood Studios and along the boardwalk, which is fairly narrow for a race with tens of thousands of people. Um, people were forced to walk in times they didn't want to because it was too crowded. Right. Whereas we were in early corrals and you were walking and I was kind of just do-do-do running, trying to have a good time. In other words, I, w- I wasn't pushing real hard. I was trying to just enjoy yeah. the run Neither of us really struggled with crowds. You know, I, I I jogged the first 200 yards in order to get past the starting line. And I was in Corral A. I was in the mm-hmm. front. And uh, I, I didn't push to be like on the front of the line or anything. That would have been completely obnoxious. But, <laughs> but, but ran to, to basically to where that road opened up a little bit more. And I started walking. And then I looked back behind me and there were 50 other people walking as right. well out of that corral. And so that's a good, um, uh, you know, a solid percentage of people in that corral um, right. that were... That we're walking. So put your proof of yeah. time in. That's my probably yeah. biggest yeah. Disney hint. And and if you end up getting put in that corral, don't feel bad about it and, and move back a few corrals. Because I considered doing that and I'm glad that I didn't. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you going to do this one again? Are we going to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do this one again. This is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think that the theming fits all of us. Whereas the Disney World Marathon is fun. You go through all parks. Um but it's kind of random Disney character, and you that's mm-hmm. fun too, but I think that what does Disney just excels at picking a theme and sticking to it, yeah. and I think that's what was so much yeah. fun at probably my favorite quote okay this would this would be my other tip if you don't like Star Wars <laughs> don't, don't do the Star Wars race because you are going to get a lot of Star Wars. They lay it on thick. We're in the first mile. We're still in Epcot. Like, we really haven't left. We've seen R2-D2. We're running around the World Showcase. They're listening to the Imperial March really loud. And this guy grabs his headphones and goes, I'm about sick of Star Wars theme music, and puts his headphones in. Really? Why'd you sign up for this race? So if you don't want to listen to Star Wars music for 13 miles, don't do this race. That's probably my best tidbit here. I, I, yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's worthwhile. It seems almost You're self-evident. But, so, yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, but I think that is good advice because clearly there was at least one guy in the two races Where's, that didn't like Star Wars. You and I would be what happy to... <laughs> I don't think that's how it goes. <laughs> but I think you and I could have listened to Star Wars music for a full marathon. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. No, I listen to it all the time when I'm grading papers and writing schedules for athletes. So, yeah, that's cool. All right, so let's wrap it up here talking about Casey because we, we've had a good time here talking about the Disney races. But um, but tell us 
Casey, you are a sponsor of, of, of the podcast here. Yeah. Tell us tell us what you do and and because it's not what you might think. So tell us about it. Okay, so I am a travel agent with Magical Enchanted Vacations and we're a company that specializes in Disney World but can book travel anywhere. Um, so I can book your trip to Disney World, Disneyland, any of them. I can book flights. Cruises. Cruises, absolutely. And not just Disney cruises. I can actually do any cruise line. And really, I can do any hotel and airline in the world. Um, what I think is most valuable to pass on is that my services don't cost anything extra than you'd already been paying for your vacation. So your flights, hotels... Uh, actually, your cruises actually already have travel agent fees in them. <laughs> it's just whether or not you choose to get the extra help. And so the headaches that come up for you when you travel, either beforehand or if you just have questions or if you want to call Disney World and ask if you can change the view of your room from uh, standard to pool view, you don't have to sit on hold. I do that for you. Um, and you don't have to pay anything extra. If you get on your trip and you run into trouble, you can call me and I can take care of things for you. Um, I think that in the kind of day and age of being able to do these things yourselves, most people haven't considered a travel agent um, because you don't need, you don't have to have one to book a trip anymore. Whereas there was a time when you really needed an agent. Um, but I think that we've gotten to a point where actually it's so overwhelming because you have so much access and so many choices that it can really be helpful to say, hey, Casey, I want to take my family and go to California and stay on the beach for three days and go to Disneyland for three days. Can you give me some prices and some ideas? Um, Or we want a house on the beach in Florida, or we want to go on a Disney cruise. Um, But to take care of all of the little details, to have a real person to ask questions as they come up, Um, you know, should I add photo pass onto my trip should could you help me get reservations to a show could you help me um book my next iron man um in a place that i can walk to the transition where you don't have to sit down and look at the maps and figure out what is the best choice and can i uh could you book me a taxi from here to there so i think that i would just encourage if you have any trips coming up to give me a shot um you can go to my facebook page which is facebook slash Facebook.com slash Casey Travel Planner, M-E-V. Thank you. Or email me, Casey, K-A-C-I-E, at U-G-A dot E-D-U. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I can do any quotes. That's all free. There are no obligations. Um, and if you haven't considered using a travel agent and you happen to have other things to do, then work on booking your own travel. I would love to help you with yeah, that. There was an ITL athlete named David recently um, who just kind of happened to post on Facebook, almost sort of out of the blue, um, said, I can't believe I chose Ironman Maryland. That was a bad choice. I'm having to spend more time now trying to book all my logistics than than training. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you need to call Casey because that's literally what she does. Yep. You know, go back to training and let Casey actually do the booking for you and, and you'll be done with it. Yep. Right? And I've, I've booked... And that wasn't a Disney thing. That was, in, that was yep, a trip I've to Maryland. Ironman Muncie. I booked... Mm-hmm. Uh, Quite a, quite a few. New York City Marathon. I've, New York City Marathon <laughs> for for the whole family. That's the other thing I can do that I think is helpful is if you're traveling in a big group to an Ironman. So you're bringing your mom and your grandmother and your friend. Um, basically, let me coordinate for you. So right. sometimes that can also be the most frustrating. Is we need to get everyone on the same page. I can do that. Right. Um, that way, and sometimes that can be easier. Of okay, you're all flying in on this day, and then you're going to stay in this hotel. So just letting someone else do that instead of you, and you mm-hmm. focus on your training. And I, I can attest to, um, so I'll say two things. One, um, 
is that the, there's a lot more deals out there than you might not be aware of. And that's yes. particularly true when it comes to Disney. I had no idea until my wife became a Disney travel agent how much Disney will just kind of out of the blue say, oh, here's free dining or here's this discounted thing. Or and if you package these two things together, you get all this. I mean, you're talking about thousands upon thousands of dollars to say nothing of a lot less time waiting in lines if you let somebody who understands the system do it for you. I had no idea about that until Casey actually started travel agent. And a lot of those things, you have to kind of be in the Disney world, staying right. on top of, nah, get it in the Disney world, <laughs> stay on top of your Disney news, know the days that those deals are coming out. Um, and actually for most trips, Disney and otherwise, you can book with me. And then if a better deal comes out or with Ironmans, I've got multiple people that I've said, okay, two weeks out, I'm going to start checking hotels that are closer to transition. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you book Chattanooga a little late and you're a little out of town. Um, when, I can be the one to check and see if I can get you into a closer hotel. And repeatedly check. Yes, and repeatedly check because that's what I do. Um, Right. While you train. Yeah. So the the other thing, too, that I wanted to say, and that this is probably letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, is that most large travel corporations, be it Expedia or be it Disney or something else like that, have a separate phone line for travel agents that they do for, for, for people who aren't travel agents. And Casey will attest... That the people that she talks to as a travel agent are a lot nicer than oh, the people so, that you get on the phone. They're so great. This, the the customer service that I get to deal with if something comes up with your trip is pretty remarkable, actually. Um, and I've accidentally, since I've become a travel agent, I've once or twice called the other side. Um, and it's not... The same. It's not the same. And they don't. they can't do as many things for you. Um, but basically, the, the service side... Can is willing to work with travel agents quite a bit. So if something comes up for you, I can help. So and none of it costs extra. You're right. al- you're already paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it wouldn't cost any extra to actually get Casey to to do all those things for you. So like I said, I wanted to give Casey the opportunity to, to, to give herself a little plug there. Um, one of our sponsors here. Um, so we're wrapping it up here. I did want to hop back to something we talked about three weeks ago um, on the topic of women in sports. Lots of people have, have reached out to me about that. A lot of people have shared that podcast in different places. It was a great episode. Um, thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Um, which, uh, which means a lot to me. Um, and there was a particular uh, comment I wanted to share that came up on the Facebook page that was from Chrissy. Um, she, she said, uh, quote, have been meaning to comment on this, especially as I gave this another listen Monday after the marathon, after the Boston Marathon, of course. I think when a population feels slighted, there's a stronger rallying cry and impetus for action. I believe this is why we know Catherine Switzer's story so well and not Bobby Gibbs. You'll recall that I said that Bobby Gibbs was actually the first woman to run the Boston Marathon, um, but she was generally welcomed um, and applauded throughout, whereas Catherine Switzer, the second woman to run the Boston Marathon a year later... Um, was almost knocked out of the Boston Marathon by the race director, by Jock Simple. And people tend to see that, and they think that Catherine Switzer was the first. Uh, and I posed to everybody, why is it that you think that everybody knows that Catherine Switzer stories, but nobody knows Bobby Gibbs? Um, anyway, Chrissy continued, um, A celebrated success generally doesn't get people fired up to fight for a cause. But when they feel there has been an injustice, perhaps it's that sense of civic duty. Catherine Switzer's story was probably referenced much more by activists and champions of the cause as a catalyst to further it. Thus, it's the story most reinforced. Um, unquote. And I agree with Chrissy on that. I think that Catherine Switzer's story, she's a pioneer and she deserves a lot of credit. Um, but I don't think we should overlook Bobby Gibb because her story is less sexy, um, because her story is less dramatic. 
um, because she was welcomed and not almost physically assaulted off the course. I think that that it took a great deal of courage on Bobby Gibbs' part, in addition um, to the courage that it took on Catherine Switzer's part. So um, I think that, that Chrissy's right about that, and I, and I think that's something that's worth bringing up. Um, Chrissy also wrote, the women's soccer analysis was also pretty infuriating. The differential in travel expenses feels so Jim Crow. It would literally force women to stay in lesser accommodations. The pay gap, said Chrissy, is also an echo of what I've seen firsthand in the corporate world, unquote. Um, I can't attest to, to what the corporate world's like, and I'll certainly take her word for it on that. I've never worked in corporate America. Um, or but been I, a woman. So, or been a woman. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but I agree with the, the differential in travel offenses feel so Jim Crow. And I think that's what riled me up so much about it is that it's so petty. Right. Um, that they give women $60 a day and they give women men $75 a day. What's the point? Um, and obviously there's bigger more important, more uh, more inequitable issues um, that need to be addressed, such as the salaries and the bonus structures. Um, but that was just such a thumb in the eye, it feels like. it's just. I think particularly when you're moon. looking at the, the amount of money in those salary mm-hmm. and the bonus structures, that what is that $15, really? Mm-hmm. It's totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, since I have my wife here, anything hey. else... Anything addition you want to add to that? I, I I agree with Chrissy that particularly about Boston that that there's something about that story that's compelling and that those pictures of her being pushed off are just hard to watch. Um, and I I think that that's probably why it's more popular or more well known than just a successful run. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think she's right there. Mm-hmm. I think that the I can't wait to hear what happens with the U.S. women's soccer team, though. I think it's fascinating. I think it's exciting. Um, I think it could set some really worthwhile precedents. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that that's how we're representing ourselves to the world because the U.S. soccer team is our face to the world. So our face to the world is openly that we don't value women. Um, and I don't like that at all. I don't think that's who we are. I don't think it's who we want to be anyway as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I, I'm proud of those women for standing up, and I'm sure it is a terrifying fight to fight. Um, it's already hard enough to be a professional athlete, um, and then a female professional athlete, and then a female professional athlete who's suing your organization, hmm. I'm sure is a terrifying place to be. When you've spent your whole life putting your body and mind and career on this one unlikely job of being a professional female soccer player um to then file suit i'm sure is a scary place Put to it be all in jeopardy yeah so mm-hmm. i'm i'm proud of them i hope i hope they get a fair outcome um particularly because they're so amazing and tough yeah. and strong right. and just outstanding athletes so i i hope yeah. and i i think that i think that they would be worth equal even if they weren't mm-hmm even if they were on par with the men's team. <laughs> even if they sucked as much as the men, right. we still should pay them the same amount. But they don't suck as much as the men, which is why it's just atrocious. Right. Well, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, there was another uh, podcast listener, Carolina, who commented that, that what you so often fall back on whenever you're talking about women not getting paid as much is crowds. Um, and the amount of money that's generated right. and that sort of thing. And so, like, you look at the WNBA versus the NBA. Okay, well, the NBA brings in more money, so they get paid more. Okay, you know, th- that, that's that's a difficult point to argue with, um, even though I do think it's an arguable point. 
that literally doesn't apply here. Right. You have the women bringing in more money than the men, and yet the men are still getting paid substantially more in both big ways and in those super petty travel accommodation Jim Crow ways. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So This was fun. So, I'm glad you thought so. And that does it for episode 12, the first episode in our new bi-weekly format, and of course the first episode in which we don't have intro and outro music. It will also be the last episode in which we don't have intro and outro music. Please follow us on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, where you can see that cute picture of my twin sons, facebook.com slash Pleasant Podcast. And check out the show notes for this show and all the rest of the shows at mostpleasantexhaustion.blogspot.com. Also check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, online at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash performance. And finally, of course, if you are inspired to book travel through my wife, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, as she said, at facebook.com slash MEV. And you can drop her a line at Casey, that's K-A-C-I-E, at uga.edu. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks.